Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Two Fit Podcast. That's right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and if, if this is your first time joining us, uh, the Two Fit Podcast, so we are all about interviewing and really just having open conversations with people that are being too fit, right? They're achieving incredible levels of excellence or success in different fields. I mean, we, we have on doctors, strength coaches, athletes, entrepreneurs, I mean, really, you name it. That's right. We're really trying to get across to people that being too fit isn't just about, you know, physical fitness. It's about being too fit as a mindset. It's how you live your life inside and outside the gym, as we like to say. So whether that is your business, your family, your relationships, your finances, everything can be too fit. Absolutely. Yeah. And so today's episode, like all the others, is no different. Uh, today, our guest is being too fit in the field of motherhood and business. So really yeah, exciting guest. It. She is crushing it. And her name is Randy Zinn, uh, founder of Beyond Mom and Going Beyond Mom. Just came out with a new book. And uh, what do we talk with Randy about today? We hit on a lot of good topics. It was a really um, enjoyable conversation. She's really down to earth, lady. She's really uh, knowledgeable, apparently, on the subject of motherhood and how to basically balance that throughout her life. Uh, we talk about, you know, staying fit during your pregnancy, things to eat. We even talked about, um, got even a, on a political. Uh, realm for a little while talking about how long a mother should have for maternity leave. Um, yeah. Things like that. Yeah, but, went a lot of different directions, but a lot of really actionable tools, not just for moms, man, if you're listening. So, you know, I'm, I'm a recent uh, new dad, and so I had some, some personal questions to ask her on the show that I think other dads would probably find beneficial or helpful. And um, yeah, really enlightening conversation and uh, very, very cool topic for the show. Kind of a different area we, we haven't, uh, you know, branched into yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, in fact, got a lot of out of it myself, and I have nowhere near having a child, so. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> one day. One, one day, day. We'll see. Um, well, yeah, we hope you enjoy this uh, conversation. Pretty sure you will, and I know we did. Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by Qualia, the incredible brain-enhancing neurovitamin that Jake and I rely on for brain function, cognitive function, brain health, and uh, also, most importantly, probably memory recall. Yeah, I mean, you're my first-hand account to how terrible my memory actually is, and I just feel like I'm on fire whenever I'm on Qualia. I mean, it's a noticeable difference every day. I mean, things that I would normally have to go back through my email for or my, my you know notebook or whatever it might be are like readily available. And I, what I always say is like, it seems to me more than anything that like words come to me easier. You know what I mean? Like there's just less thinking involved. It's like you're ready. Yeah. We all have that experience. We know day in and day out where, you know, you just get off the phone with someone, you just meet someone and you, you turn around and you go, what did I just say? You know, what did he just say? And so if you want that ability to rapidly recall things, have your memory on point, highly recommend checking out Qualia. That's right. Check it out. Neurohacker.com. Use coupon code 2FIT at checkout, T-O-O-F-I-T, for 10% off your entire order. This episode and every episode is brought to you by none other than 2FIT, our performance nutrition company, helping you fuel your active lifestyle. That's right. And today's featured product we want to talk about is our pre. You know, one of the most common questions that we get, Josh, is, hey, this is a stimulant-free pre-workout. That sounds like an oxymoron. Why would you make a stimulant-free pre-workout? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, people are so you know used to pre-workouts that are loaded with stimulants, whether that be caffeine or other dangerous chemicals. Um, the problem with a lot of that is, one, people work out in the evening. 
a lot, a lot of people. And the last thing you want is a ton of caffeine at 6 or 7 p.m. and try to hit the sack a few hours later. Um, another thing is when you're going out for a run, CrossFit, whatever, um, the last thing you want is to artificially increase your heart rate. It's going to negatively impact your performance. So we've included some things like cognizance acetylcholine. It's going to help with neurotransmitter production, dopamine response, help the brain getting fired, firing on all cylinders without these kind of negative things that come with stimulants in your product. So still the performance boosting benefits of the brain and help with that focus and mental clarity and energy um, without some of the other consequences. So you want to check out more, go to twofit.com, check out the pre. All right, Randy. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on. It's been a, been a long time coming, and I know Josh has been really looking forward to this because he has a, a pretty newborn. I know? am. This, this is, is going to be a selfish interview on my behalf because... Aren't they all? <laughs> typically, that's how it goes. Um, but yes, so I have a five-month-old, uh, so this is kind of like right in my wheelhouse uh, with your new book coming out and, and everything you talk about. So yeah, trying to get that exciting. body back after the baby. Exactly. You know, I mean... That, what, what do they call it when the husband, you know, kind of goes downhill as well during pregnancy? What's that? Uh, Let's just wipe that from the conversation. <laughs> we, can call this, we can call this interview Beyond Dad if you want. There we Ooh, go. There it is. All right. Uh, maybe a little bit, bit of both, Beyond Dad and Mom. So, but, so, so it's all very related. And if you like, we can definitely discuss that. Sure. <laughs> So, Randy, really, before we go into some of like the Beyond Mom specifics, tell us a little bit about your story, how, how this all came about. Yeah, so it's been a journey, like most of these things are. I'm sure you guys have your own story as well, with how you are landing here with headphones on your head and talking about health on a podcast. Um, I, historically, I've always been a writer. I've always somehow been in the media. And then through going some through some really difficult times in my life, I discovered the power of yoga and how it's so important to find ways to self-heal and ground yourself. Um, I was thrown through some very intense family stories into my family's businesses and had a crash course literally in my father's companies and learning the ins and outs of business. And it wasn't until I became a mom that finally all of these parts of my life started to kind of come together in this idea that I had. And the idea over time has developed into what we now see as Beyond Mom. Um, but it's truly like the offering of all of my experiences, all the things that I really, really love to do. And most importantly, this need that I feel in this space, particularly in motherhood, um, to really get back to understanding how to develop a sense of self that's clear and that's healthy and that's self-aware so that we're the kind of people that we actually think that we want to be. Like we have this idea of what we want to be, but reality doesn't always look that way. So, so Beyond Mom is this way that I'm working on giving tips and tools and support and conversation to women who are navigating this challenging time, um, but with the right tools and with the right mindset and the right community, it can look pretty great. It's just what you're doing each day. That's awesome. So, so what exactly is the problem and that and that need that uh, Beyond Mom is trying to solve? Well, there's a few things. Um, you know, we're living in a time which is it's a very blessed. Time to be a woman of the West where 
we have a lot of opportunity finally, and we're able to do many, many things. Um, but there is this feeling that goes along with that we're, that we're supposed to do everything. And we're supposed to be highly productive. We're supposed to look amazing. Um, we're supposed to raise perfect kids. And what I've discovered through my research and through many years of conversations with women who span, who cover the spectrum of different types of moms, like working moms, entrepreneurial moms, stay-at-home moms, the funny reality is that everyone feels guilty for something. So I think there's this feeling like only working moms feel guilty. Actually, stay-at-home moms feel guilty. Everyone feels guilty. So why? Why does everyone feel guilty? And what I've come to discover and what I believe to be true is that the culture is telling us something about what we are supposed to be. And because we haven't had enough time of really cultivating a sense of self-awareness and a sense of honestly self-love because you have to love yourself enough to take incredible care of yourself and be the person that you actually want to be. And without that, we're just going to crumble underneath what our culture tells us we should be. So, so moms nowadays, we're a little conflicted and we're under a whole lot of pressure. And so I'm trying to change the dialogue and say, you know what, the rest of the noise out here, it has to somehow recede into the background a little bit more. And the only way to do that is to start cultivating your own voice and your own awareness of what matters to you most. And, and those are the tips and tools that I'm really sharing in a very real life, honest kind of way in this book. Randy, if you wouldn't mind taking a step back in your story, you mentioned like some of those difficulties and you used some of those difficulties as a springboard to kind of discover yourself. And it seems like gave you this kind of platform and foundation that you've built upon and almost gave you this uh, like motivation for Beyond Mom, right? Like kind of this this sprout of an idea. What were some yeah. of those difficulties and how did you use that as kind of turning tragedy into triumph? Yeah, such a good question, you know, and it's really, really amazing. Actually, it feels very right at this point. Um, I think when anyone has gone through anything very, very difficult, it's almost like you have to have time to reflect on that story in order to even know what it means to you and how to express it in terms of the steps forward into your life. So when I was just 25 years old, um, so this is now, I'm 37 now, so it's almost, it's about 12 years ago, my father, who I was very, very close with, was killed in a plane crash. So I, I mean, I was beyond devastated um, devastated almost seems like not even enough of a word. It's like a limb gets cut off. And <clears throat> over many years of having to learn his life and navigate business and navigate the emotions and navigate a new form of family, because when the major part of a family is removed, how do you, how do you function in a whole new way? So it took years to understand what it all meant to me. And I think I'll forever be figuring that out. But what I've understa understood now is that loss is a universal language and it's what you do with it. And it requires honesty. It requires a lot of letting go, a lot of feeling. Um, <clears throat> and then it's like, 
taking those lessons and taking honestly that pain and sharing with others who have also gone through loss and pain. And what's been really amazing is that over time, over years, having conversations with people who have lost uh, a partner due to divorce or lost a pet or God forbid, lost a child or gone through any major life transition illness, actually. Um, the process of loss and grief and what you do with it and how you transform it and create something of your life that's productive and meaningful with it is actually a universal experience. The details are the details, but the how you process and what you do with it, um, it's actually an amazingly beautiful thing to so have connected with so many people who have gone through a similar arc, even though the scenario might be different, and then are out there and saying, I want to make people's lives better. You know, it's like you get fueled when you go through things, I think, to make the world better. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. You have two choices. You have the choice to either do something really amazing with what you've been through and what you've navigated. And then you have another choice, which is not to, and to kind of let it, let it set you back. And that was never my choice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. It's <laughs> that is a great, great question, Joshua. Kudos to you. Thank but you. it's um, yeah, it's fascinating to think about how loss is such a universal language, like you're talking about. When people look back on their lives, what really changed the trajectory of their lives is those moments of loss, and like you're talking about, like what they do with it. Yes, and not to take it to the book, but I will because it's actually a perfect thread. It doesn't have to be tragic loss. See, loss happens all the time, every single day. And what I'm sure you can imagine, or maybe you're witnessing having um, a new baby in the home, is that loss can even happen where it's like your life looks totally different. And you feel different from an identity standpoint and certainly from a physical standpoint. I mean, I could talk all day about what it's like to feel like your body is not your own anymore. And there is a huge loss and a huge emotional experience of going through that. And even if you, quote, get your body back, it's always going to be a different body, not worse necessarily, just different. And so this knowledge of how to be real with yourself and how to have a dialogue and know how to get help and know how to heal through loss of all these different kinds is probably one of the greatest assets that you could ever have in life. And so the, it's very useful when it comes to all the transitions of motherhood and how to be real about life feels a little different now that you know every single second is not my own anymore. And I feel different and I actually feel called to do different things and be productive in different ways and hang out with different people. I have a whole chapter in the book called Befriending the Change. And it's actually all about that. It's about how do we stop going against the current of that which is actually uh, not what it was? And if we're constantly longing for what was, we're always going to be kind of like swimming backward as opposed to swimming forward. I can kind of relate to what you're talking about. I see it from the mom and the dad standpoint. Me, from a personal experience, and I, I've discussed this with friends that have young children, is, you know, for instance, this year my, my daughter was born in April. And I had different races on the schedule, triathlons and stuff. And you certainly feel, especially in the first three months, like you've lost any opportunity to do anything, right? You're like, 
oh, I'm not, I can't, I didn't get the gym this week. How, how in the heck I'm going to do a race in three weeks? That race is off the schedule. Oh, the race in two months is off the schedule because it was longer, you know, and you feel like, how am I ever going to get to like do me again? Um, and that, that does certainly feel like a loss. And I've talked to other dads that have felt that same way, but now, you know, I'm at month five, um, as we record the show and you kind of start, you really dialing in, in a more of a routine and you start seeing kind of how you, I don't know, you just adapt. It's, you certainly wouldn't change it for the world, but you start realizing how, how things can fit back into your schedule and you adjust and stuff. But, but it is a bit of a shock. Yeah. It is. And you didn't even give birth to the baby. I know. I didn't even have the child, so I can't imagine. Um, but, you know, that leads me to another question. So as you were saying, you had one of two choices, to do something about it or to not. And you mentioned earlier you found yoga as one of your things. Now, And if you could highlight a little bit on that, but also maybe if it's not yoga for someone else, what did you do to maybe even find yoga in the first place or, or pinpoint a couple of key strategies where it's like, hey, I'm going to do something positive for the better. I'm not going to sit here, you know, and, and kind of just drown in this moment. What were some of those things that got you out of it, including the yoga? Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll first answer the first part of the question, which was a little bit about like what happened with yoga. And then I'll talk about like how to find your yoga, your version. Um, for me, yoga was very logical. Um, I, danced my whole life and like yoga felt like a very approachable way to move my body. And when I first moved to New York, um, I grew up in New York state, but I hadn't lived full time in New York city. And as soon as I got here, I was like, okay, whoa, like you need to do something with all this energy. You have to mellow yourself down. So I did start doing yoga, um, kind of just to manage that frenetic energy um, and it felt good in my body. So I was doing it for a while. Um, and then after the family tragedy that I went through, um, there was definitely like, I don't even remember how long it was. I want to say maybe like a six to eight week period of time where I really couldn't physically move. Like, you know, when, I don't know if you've been through massive grief before, but it affects your body. Um, and when I first went back to yoga, it was like, cracking my body open again, very, very, very slowly, like being able to even move at all. And once I was able to start doing that, it's like the body is the portal to the emotional space. And so it's able to start like letting go and feeling and it's like, it's a healing process in so many ways. And then over time, I became really fascinated by the yoga philosophy actually. And what people may not know is that so much about Beyond Mom is actually based on yoga philosophy. Um, the, the layers of what makes a whole person and the way that I talk about it in relation to motherhood is very much ancient yoga. And the practices of mindfulness and breathing and um, sort of the method of self-care is very much yoga philosophy. I don't come out and say it. I'm saying it now, but but it's very much folded in. Breaking so, news on the Two Fit podcast. <laughs> it's actually not my work. No, it is my work. I just you know I was very inspired by these tools that are ancient, but they've stood the test of time for a reason. So, so so getting back to the question of you know how does one find what works for them, actually. I really believe that we all need to kind of get back 
get back to what makes us feel joyful on um, whatever level. And it's not to say that fitness and body movement is always easy. As you know, you're, you guys are doing Ironman and stuff. So certainly ease is not what we're always talking about. But whatever makes you feel really inspired and really lights you up. When I interact, I interact with women all the time who are struggling to get back into the physical aspect of their life. And I really argue that it's basically an imperative. It doesn't mean that you have to be doing an Ironman. It doesn't mean that you have to be stick thin. It means that you have to have your blood moving, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, it means that like there has to be a rhythm in your physical body for your mind to be open, for your spirit to be open, for you to be happy around your kids. I just, I actually don't understand how it can be, how it can flow otherwise, to be honest. So, um, so I think we all have to get back to what makes us joyful. So I always like ask people, okay, you don't know like what you want to do for a workout. What did you do when you were a kid? Like when you would just run outside of your house, what would be the thing you would do? Did you get on a bicycle? Did you dance in front of the TV? Did you play hopscotch and like make little courses? Like what did you do? And what would you do for hours? And to me, that's the beginning of figuring out what you should go and do as an adult. Because you might end up in a spin class. You might end up in a dance class. You might be in a boot camp. So I think that we have to get back to the root of just what brings us joy. Um, I also think, and this is definitely part of my personal story, we have to be really comfortable with moving our body in different ways at different times. So I think many of us get into a feeling of like, this is what I do. This is my thing. So even if we have our physical thing, it's like that's always our thing. Getting back to this idea of being able to flow with change, motherhood will teach you a good lesson that your body is going to go through change. So you have to be able to pivot and find what works for you given what's going on. So I was like Miss Yoga for a lot of years. When I had my first child, I thought I would just go back to yoga and the weight would come right off. And there was those like five to 10 pounds that just like, you know, they're the ones that how you have to work a little harder to get off. And um, yoga wasn't cutting it. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so what do we need to do? And I honestly had never been an intense fitness person. It wasn't part of my identity at the time. Um, and I just started asking questions and talking to people and I got comfortable being a little uncomfortable and I tried things and before I knew it, I stumbled on soul cycle and spinning and I just like spun my little heart out <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I got in like really great shape and then it just kind of opened me up to trying all different kinds of things. And, um, I don't know when the last time is you guys have been to New York City, but this is like boutique fitness heaven here. So you can like go on one street, actually like my street, it's over there. It's like 50 amazing fitness studios like in a row. So depending on what you feel like doing, just so yeah, it's Maybe kind we of do that one day. we should go up there and just do like a two fit guys like on the, sh the 50, you know, workouts in a day or something. Like, right. Like <laughs> careful what we sign up here, <laughs> buddy. Watch it. Just I boutique workout to boutique workout. It'd be cool. You should. Seriously. It would be great content. And, and the studios would love to have you, by the way. 
um, I used to do um, fitness roundups on my website where I would just like try stuff and write about it and they love it. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Um, so I did that and then I had my second child and I was really, really scared to kind of like go back in time with my body again. And actually I did have some setbacks and I had some pain and some stuff like after the fact that I had to really slow down and figure out kind of like how I was moving and what misalignments were going on and why the pain. And I had to like stop all the heavy duty stuff. And I started doing private Pilates, like reformer. And it's been brilliant. I've learned so much about my body and about how to move and like just the whole deeper strength. And now everything I do looks and feels different. It's coming from a whole other place. And so I think the bigger point is that one, you have to find what brings you joy. And two, you have to be willing to pivot. You have to be willing to pay attention to what is happening now and work with it. Your body is this ever changing thing and motherhood will teach you that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And just going back to kind of what you were saying earlier, like it's, it's important just to start somewhere, you know, and whenever you're going through these changes and it's kind of, you get in like a mental funk, I would believe and everybody has this. You just wake up some days and you're just kind of in your own head. You're not feeling it. Maybe you don't want to go to the gym, whatever it is. And I've always heard Tony Robbins say, you know, if you want to get out of your own mind, like get in your body. So go do a cold plunge, go sit in the sauna, go for a run, go for a walk, whatever it is. But the physical change will actually change your mental state. And so um, that kind of leads me to our next question. Those, do you see when, say, new mothers or even, you know, second time mothers say they stay physically active during their pregnancy? Do they deal better with that adaptation and change to their life afterward? Um, you know, I would, I would say blanket statement. Yes, because I just think movement is just positive and helps you to feel alive and makes you feel like you've got your own thing and it's important. The truth though, is that you really never know what you're going to go through with birth and what kind of baby you're going to have. And there's so much that you don't know. So I think one of the things is, is, and you also don't know what kind of pregnancy you're going to have. So you know, you never know if there's restrictions or not. My first pregnancy, I had like so much start and stop in terms of activity, doctor's orders. So it's like, you just never really know. So I think that if you can move, definitely move. I, I like movement is medicine. However, be open to the fact that you just don't know everything and you're going to have to be flexible because it's some things are out of your hands. And Randy, I'm sure this, like at Beyond Mom, you work a lot with obviously current mothers, but also expecting mothers. And it sounds, a lot of this is managing expectations. And um, there's a lot of information about that on your website. And I can speak to that again personally. Like, I think my wife certainly had much more manageable or correct expectations, maybe because she had been around babies a whole lot more than I had. Um, and I understand that there was going to be a life change. But again, like I said, with the scheduling and stuff, it was a little bit of a shock to the system. And it seems like certainly managing expectations going into it has could have a huge impact um, positively or negatively in, in how you view that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, I think I would stay away from the term managing expectations, even though I know exactly what you're saying. Gosh, um, I'm sorry. That's that. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I just feel like to me it's not the term that resonates because 
I guess when I think of managing expectations, I think it's more about working with what you think you know. And I think that it's it's great to plan. You have to plan. Um, it's great to put your ducks in a row because you should be organized. And if you're a working parent in any capacity, you have to be prepared and organized. Um, I think it's, for me, what works better is having the tools to understand how to navigate change. Because it, what it says to me is, things are different than I may have thought. So how do I navigate that? As opposed to being like, you know, specifically fixated on a, an expectation and then how to manage it. I like that a lot because it's more just about, yeah, totally. It's like just being open-minded and very like go with the flow in a sense, right? Like like you said, being prepared, but not having this idea of something as like a, a fixed object, you know, that, that I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's very difficult because you, when you have certain expectations, like I'm not one to talk too much about breastfeeding, but it comes up a lot and it's where there's a lot of disappointment for moms. Um, women have a sense of what they think it's going to be like, and it's usually something else. And so you have to go in realizing that, you know, have your stuff ready for lots of different options and, see what's going to happen. And you have to have the tools to deal with the anxiety of the not knowing in a lot of ways. And that's where we come back to the ancient practices of breathing and knowing that this too shall pass and like the whole thing of the stuff that allows us to flow. I like that. So correct me if I'm wrong, Randy, but <clears throat> your basic approach is that, you know, society is placing these pressures on, on moms in general, saying that you have to put the kids first, you have to put the partner first everything above yourself and you're saying that you have to take care of you first if you want to even do a just job at taking care of anybody else correct so what are some tangible actual steps that people can do to actually adapt that mindset okay so i'm gonna you're totally right and you said it completely right i'm gonna just add one more thing to it go for it which is that um you have to take care of yourself in order to do a just job with everyone else which is what you just said but i'm gonna add that um, it's actually not about everyone else. And that's the other thing our culture tells us, like go work out and go take care of yourself so that you can be a good mom. Actually go work out and go take good care of yourself because you're a human being who deserves to feel amazing. I like that much better. Words of empowerment. <laughs> yeah. So Rain, let's, morph the conversation a little bit because a big part of what you do with Beyond Mom is empower women to find what makes them happy, but also things that they can do, right? Because you throw out the statistic that, you know, 1.2 million moms a year don't return back to the workforce. And one, before I go further in the question, what is that primary purpose? Is that just because they, they want to stay home with their child and um, they don't want to put them in daycare? You know, what's, what's kind of the main situation there? Yeah, you know, I, from my findings and the conversations that I've had, um, it's actually not so linear. It's not necessarily that I just want to be with my child, although, of course, women discover they want to be with their children oftentimes more than they thought they would. I also meet women who are like, I cannot wait to get back to work. Um, motherhood is hard. But it's also that a lot of women find, just like a man, their purpose through their career and want to have children and love children. but love what they do. And so I, I hear that too. But 
from the angle of why women are stepping out. Um, I find that I meet women doing that because they actually want one more flexibility. And unfortunately, not as many companies are providing the type of flexibility and work environment that would actually work for a mother um, or a father who wants to be involved in their kids' lives. Um, so that's the first part. But I wouldn't go even something deeper. A lot of the women that I'm interacting with who are really active in the stuff that I'm doing at Beyond Mom are actually wanting to be productive in a way that feels meaningful. And so a lot of women left that I know have left careers as lawyers, um, in the finance realm, um, fashion world, and are taking their skill sets and their passions and completely shaping the way or reshaping their productivity. So many women are taking more of an entrepreneurial freelance route. One, to be more flexible, to be with their kids when they choose, but also to be giving back through their skills and through their passions in a way that feels real to them. I see a lot of that. And, you know, in the, in the back of the book, um, not to give it all away, but in the end of the book, kind of sum it all up by saying, you know, what makes your idea, your experience, a beyond mom idea, beyond mom business? And it starts with what I have to give comes from my heart. It's like this feeling like now I have a purpose. I feel that. And so many women, and I'm sure just being a dad of five months, it's like you feel the you feel the need to give to the world in a certain kind of way when you brought a child into the world. Yeah. And so it comes from there. Yeah, that's um that real thank you for answering the question. That's great. And the, the kind of the second part of that was, you know, cause in towards the back of the book, you do provide really a platform, the book and the website, but a platform of like helping moms find their idea, right? What, what can they do? How can they freelance? What are they good at? What are their passions? What can they share and provide value to others? You even go in, into some detail on like coming up with branding, funding, et cetera. Um, so, so great resource. You have an interesting background in the sense that your dad, who you spoke about earlier, was an entrepreneur. And yeah. probably, you know, you witnessed that your your whole life. Um, it was pretty cool. So he was one of the first that invented solar technology. I saw that uh, in some of your writing. That's pretty neat. Wow. Um, and could you speak a little bit about t that impact, your dad's entrepreneurial impact on you, maybe yeah. where women can, can kind of tap into their own? That's such a good question. Um, in so many ways, I didn't realize how much I absorbed, frankly, sadly, but it just is until after he was gone. Um, I think it's one of those we don't really know, <coughs> excuse me, what we have until it's gone. <clears throat> but in reflection and over time and becoming an entrepreneur myself, and also my husband is an entrepreneur and it's a very fiery household over here. Um, a lot going on up under this roof. Um, you know, I think it's understanding the ups and the downs and the anxiety and the excitement and everything that comes with this journey, I realized is a language that I speak, but I didn't know that I really spoke it until I was personally really in it. Um, I had, like, as I started to have my own journey and I started to see my husband in certain things and I realized that I was able to support him in moments and I realized that I was able to do that because I had seen it before. It's, it's, and I didn't know it until it was really in motion and really happening. 
but I have a lot of memories of the crazy phone calls and my dad yelling at this one and that one. And then like, even though he was a so sweet person, but business is business and it's hard. And just a lot of moments of uh, intensity over time, over my whole youth and early adulthood. And um, yeah, those memories have definitely created a language that I subconsciously have. And I'm only now really aware of it. So, you know, in terms of how that can help other women um, embrace it, you know, I think we all, well, actually, there's something that I do want to say. I don't think that everyone is cut out for entrepreneurship, and I think that's okay. Um, there's a lot of people that thrive in a little bit more of a structured environment um, and perhaps do an amazing job of supporting the person who is built for the entrepreneurial effort. Um so I think it's about understanding where you fit and where your skills are and where where you are comfortable playing in the game. Um, so yeah, I think we all just have to kind of like know what we're made of in the end. And that takes a lot of self-inquiry. Very cool. So you learned basically the entrepreneurship side from your dad. What um, did you take away from your mom and, and what she was doing? Yes, my mom. Good you guys Such are a good really, question, Jacob. You guys are both really good <laughs> interviewers oh, you're too kind yes and my mom by the way is me really excited that you asked <laughs> when she this. um my mom is amazing also and um for sure is the person that inspired me to go into a journey of health and wellness and um spiritual inquiry and so many things that make up the things that i'm passionate about um both my parents were definitely early visionaries. I mean, like I said, my dad was like in the energy solar sphere, like before it was cool. And same with my mom. I mean, she was like feeding me like organic, macrobiotic, I don't know, all kinds of <laughs> when I was tiny. Um, I was, again, I'm not trying to bring up controversial subjects. I'm just saying this is how I was raised. I was not a vaccinated child at a time when all children were vaccinated. Now it's a dialogue. Then it wasn't. My mom just was like, this doesn't make sense to me. And she wasn't afraid to make take the pause and choose things because of what she believed mm -hmm. and what she felt was right um, for her, for her and her child. Um, my mom, unfortunately, suffered from a lot of allergies. But what informed us through her figuring out her allergies was how to create a very healthy, clean, non-toxic home at a time where that dialogue was not happening. So, you know, my mom has taught me so much. Um, we also like, we love a lot of the same things. So I think a lot of my like passions I share with her um, and we need, we need that. So yeah, my parents are definitely like polar opposites in many ways in their personalities but we were a very cool triangle and we still are do, do you have any siblings i don't no rock, rock on can you tell, can you tell that I'm an only child are you an only child i am yes cool cool i will tell you now that i have two kids i am like learning so much about siblings I'm yeah like, oh, i never knew this existed yeah such as well, I'm still trying to figure out how two little people can be simultaneously so in love with each other and fight so badly. Like, 
from one second to the next. <laughs> it, it's right. insane. Like, I'm, I mean, my son is five and a half, closer to six, and my baby is 20 months. And like the way her obsession with him is so insane. <laughs> he walks in the room and she goes crazy. Every word she says is his name. But he, she'll scream and she'll hit him. I mean, it's it's wild. Yeah, well, in my my experience with my little sister, it it got worse before it got better, but it ends up really well. So. <laughs> That's consoling. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they get into this thing also where they compete over me, and that's really intense. Really, oh, sure. really, really intense. Sure. Yeah. So, Randy, um, you spoke a little bit about that vaccination again, not to be like controversial or anything, but kind of going into that on the nutrition side. What are some just strategies and, and tips maybe on the nutritional piece for moms? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I think from my experience, kids, kids watch what you do, not what you say. You know, it's like this, that whole do as I say, not as I do. That's no, that doesn't work. So my strategy when it comes to healthy eating with my kids um, has been to share the love of healthy food with them and let it just be, let it be what it is not make it a big thing, not put a whole bunch of stress on it, but make it joyful and fun. So the ways that I do that, um, I'll talk about the city scene first for those that are urban listeners. Um, most cities have farmer's markets, most. Um, if you're not aware of them, look them up. They might still be there. You just have to kind of find out where they are. And farmer's markets are an amazing way to one, get local, fresh, seasonal ingredients. Um, if they're in your fridge, you're more likely to use them. Um, and kids love the experience of going and seeing things fresh and picking things out and talking about colors and trying things. They're more likely to be curious if you're involving them. Um, this fall season is a great time to go apple picking. Do those things. They love it. And they're eating their fruit the whole time. They're eating the apples and then they want more of it. And it's, it's the doing. Um, and then again, I grew up outside of the city. I grew up in the Hudson Valley, which is about an hour and a half north of New York City. And we still have the home there that I grew up and we have a garden. And every summer we are in that garden every single day. And the kids are just eating, picking, they love it. Um, and my kids, I like it, try to involve them when I cook and tell them what I'm doing and let them you get my point. Yeah. I make it part of what we do. Less of like a thing that I have to force. Yeah. I will say, I mean, I'm no parent, but I've seen that they also pick up on what you say too. We were just having a uh, a friend tell us the other day that their three-year-old, a three-year-old told their grandma, grandma, you got a bunch of shit in your garage. <laughs> Because the parents are always like, you see how much shit grandma has in her garage? You know? I'm actually not going to participate in this part of the conversation because then I'm just going to be like saying inappropriate things. <laughs> yeah, the um, the words that are used in my house. But I was just surprised at three-year-old, you know? But Can't we ask, though, what's, what's the craziest thing your five-year-old has said to this point? No, I can't even repeat it. <laughs> it's just beyond what you would imagine. In public or with family? Usually with me. Oh, really? Yeah, he just it's comes hilarious. out. <laughs> I can't. I can't say it. 
<laughs> You'll, you will disregard this podcast. Good to know. Like, Good to know. Well, well, talking about kids, um, <clears throat> how, how, cause maybe not all of us are mothers, maybe not all of us are parents. Um, so we can't all, you know, feel like we're the beyond mom program is for us. Right. But we all have a mom or we all know somebody who is a mom, etc. So how can, can kids and partners, you know, uh, better support mom on this journey? You can buy my book and give it to them as a gift. There you go. I mean it. Um, <laughs> um, you can, the, the reason that I say that again is that this book is meant to be that supportive tool to help navigate this transition and this time and to make it a time that is more joyful and that has more ease in ways that are doable and approachable. Um, if you have someone in your life who's going to have a baby, it's also an amazing gift because as you referenced before, there's a lot of anxiety of the unknown. So these are just wonderful ways to feel like you're not alone and you will get through it and here's how. Um, so the book. But, you know, it's such a, it's it's like we're, we're told through so many different modes to just look out there for answers. And the truth is, is that the motherhood journey is such a personal one. And I think the greatest gift that you can give to moms in your life is to let them know that you understand that it's hard, but like, you know, you love the woman that they are and that they're becoming. And any way that you can support that transition or give her a little bit of free time or invite her to come to something that's amazing and inspiring, like, Everyone has to be a part of cultivating the mom, the woman in the mom, because seriously, when mom is in a good space, the whole house is going to be in a better space and everyone is going to be growing in a good way. Um, I'm reminded of this left and right. Like I'm the one preaching this day in and day out, but I'm not always giving myself enough time for me, actually the secrets out of the bag. Um, you know, I get, I do like things an hour here, an hour there, but I recently had the chance to go off for a few days and um, teach and participate in this amazing experience called Soul Camp. Um, you guys would probably be interested in looking it up. Yeah. Um, they have Soul Camp East, Soul Camp West going on. It's a really amazing experience. And I had a few days to just meet amazing people and do healing work and sleep in bunks in a summer camp environment and like just do me. And I came back, I was such a different person. I mean, in a good way and such a different mom. And I realized that I was actually unbeknownst to me and a little bit of a rut where like everything was annoying me. You know, everything was exhausting me. My voice was a little too edgy with them. It was just like that edge. And you just need some downtime to just lighten that edge and feel like like playing with them is joyful again. Mm -hmm. It can be hard after a while to keep that levity about it. But it, a few days, oh God, like, yeah, it just it's really important. So however you can help mom in your life have that help. What are some of the biggest stressors you see for moms that do go back to the workplace? Like, 
you know, whether that be time constraints or, you know, what, what are just some of those biggest pain points, you know, after maternity leave? I would definitely say it's time. Um, you know, I invite women who are back into the um, corporate workforce to come to events, to work out, to do stuff like that. And it's hard. I My heart goes out because at least even though I feel like I never stop working, at least I do have the flexibility. So, you know, I might stay up working till 11 o'clock, midnight, whatever it is, but at least I can go take that 10 a.m. class that I want to or, you know, you move it around. But um, time management is hard, um, especially when you miss your kids and you want to be with them. But I think it's it's reimagining the conversation and it's remembering that investing in yourself is still the integral piece to doing everything well. It's doing your job well. It's in the time that you are with your kids, being really thrilled and really happy to be with them because you're feeling good. And as long as you remember that and you're really good with your calendar and you know maybe you sacrifice something. I, I hate to say this one, we, we have a TV in our house, but we don't watch a lot of it. We watch what we need to watch or we watch something that is really, you know, interesting or inspiring. But um, a lot of people waste a whole lot of time on the TV. Um, this show, that show, and then they complain they don't have time to work out or to see close friends or whatever it is that makes them feel good. And I guarantee you that if you really did an audit of the stuff that just eats time, you might gain a few hours. Well, that's great advice. Yeah, talking about moms going back to work, um, I'd just like to get your opinion on this because I know when, how long was it that Caroline went back to work so, after the yeah. baby? It's like three weeks. My wife was in a residency at the time, and so she couldn't take like a full maternity leave. Um, luckily, she she has the highest pain tolerance and like super sport about everything, but she went back at three weeks, um, which was. Yeah. super fast yeah um, I, I even felt like whoa that's way too soon like yeah we just it, had this baby it really was but, um it was very quick and i'm i'm amazed at how quickly she bounced back but yeah it was really fast and maybe that's not the the everyday scenario but even do you think randy that maternity leave needs to be longer i do yeah what 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 would you suggest if you had the power <coughs> Sorry for the cough, guys. I all good. All good. Um, well, let's see. <clears throat> so we have friends who live in Norway. <laughs> I mean, their world is completely different than ours. It's hard to say that I think we should have that because their their country functions so differently. There's such a smaller population. There's such a wealthy country. They're a completely socialistic, you know, government in terms of health insurance and education. It's just a very different model. Right. With that said, they have like unbelievable amount of maternity leave, paternity leave. It's not optional. It's required. Hmm. Um, the government gives money when you have children to you. I mean, it's so different. Um, their taxes are very high, but they have a lot less anxiety because they're just able to flow in their life. Sure. Um, our friends, though, it's very interesting. Our friends there who are uh, 
the the mom is uh, Norwegian, the dad is Danish, and like they have perspectives though that they kind of don't have some of that entrepreneurial fire that Americans tend to have. Like there's a bit of a blandness culturally. So look, there's give and there's take. Right. And kind of going to the extreme example of Norway as like a place where there's so much lead time and there's so much focus on the space to cultivate family. Um, I mean, I think at least a woman should have six to eight months. Um, a really close friend of mine uh, just wrote, a new close friend of mine just wrote the book, The Fifth Trimester, which I would recommend for any woman who's going back to a more corporate job. Um, her name is Lauren Brody. And it's really about this period of time when most women are going back to work. And she really looks at the uh, typical cycle of, of healing, of mental stability, of body adjustment, and what is typically happening for a woman during that two to three month window when most women are expected to go back to work and their hormones are still all over the place. Um, they still have usually weight on them from the pregnancy. Um, their clothes are not fitting right. Um, their boobs are God knows what they're doing with the nursing. Like there's just like a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, it's a very challenging window to go back into the work environment. Um, her book does an amazing job of helping women to navigate it. So if you're a corporate mom, I recommend you get my book for like self-care practices and self-love and I get her book for the getting back to work stuff. Um, and so I think that if I were to have my power, I would say like somewhere between six months and a year because I think women need that time to feel like they're somewhat back to themselves. Yeah, or at least like giving them the the choice to go back when when they choose, you know, even within window, a certain window. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I like understand. I very much understand from the employment standpoint and the um, the company standpoint. It's very difficult to lose your people to continue to pay people. Um, it's, I don't take that part lightly, but it's a cyclical thing in our culture. Like, if you have happy, contented, grounded people, you're going to have better output and work. So. Right. And then even if you come back, I mean, sometimes it's even distracting for everybody else whenever this mom's got to go pump every, you know, hour yeah. and a half or whatever. Well, that's a whole other debate. I don't know if you want to go there, but um, women can pump for a long time. So, you know, you might <laughs> you have to be distracted. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely on the clock type situation. Yeah. Um, time revolves around it but yeah now now luckily uh my wife caroline she finished the residency she's still working with the same company in a, in a role now she has like i think 12 week maternity leave so uh any future kids in the works that would that would be the case which is a lot better than three weeks but um i give her so much credit <laughs> so much credit yeah, it was impressive. Honestly, I even told her I was like, "Wow, I'm I'm proud." Like that's <laughs> that's not easy, you know. Um, yeah. How did the baby do? Oh, she's great. Um, yeah, she's great. She she actually comes to the office a few times a week, and then she's in daycare a couple times already. So, uh, awesome. she's good. Yeah. Good. The yeah. Um, they're speaking like French to her there at the daycare center. Is that right? French and Spanish. French yeah. and Spanish. Yeah, she's gonna be really confused, <laughs> but better for it. Some sort of English at home, you know. Um, 
you mentioned earlier the TV screens, and it's it's funny because that's something Jake and I talk a lot, a lot about is is embracing technology, but also like kind of respecting it in a sense of you know when to, when to use it, when not to use it. Um, and I'm sure you know already experiencing with a five month old, it's it's very easy, and and you can kind of understand why parents turn to an iPad or their phones to just distract the child. Um, but I think it's it's certainly all too common. We see it in public, at restaurants, at home. Um, it's pervasive through our society now, and, and it really is altering. I mean, the studies show it's it's definitely altering altering brain, you know, children's yeah, brains, it's the new babysitter. Brains. It's, yeah, it's the new babysitter. Um, what are some alternatives, and maybe some advice you have for parents that again, there's no blame. It's you understand why, um, but for not you know going to that resource? I mean, I am living that one all the time. It's hard. I mean, I think like anything, you have to pick and choose your moments and pick wisely and think ahead, I think, you know, in moments. There's certain things that from go, I've just known I'm not willing to do. Um, I'm not willing to have my kid on a screen in a restaurant. And I think that comes not because I, I judge others that do it, <clears throat> but for me, like, I really want to have a social kid and I really want to be able to just like hang out and talk and it not to be this feeling like, oh, I, I want something else other than this conversation. Um, that's just a non-negotiable for me. Um, but then like in moments where I feel like giving in is okay, I try to find, we try to find uh, a medium point. So as an example, um, the drive that we do most often is to our home in the Hudson Valley. So that drive is about an hour and 40 minutes, give or take no traffic. So what we've come up with is this idea that he can look at his iPad at the halfway point, not before. So we dice it up. He has half the trip, kind of like how we did it, which is music, looking out the window, playing with toys, talking. And then when we reach the halfway point, he can have it. A lot of the time he misses the halfway point and we don't say anything. Um, but when he says it, okay, he can have it. Um, so that's one thing. Also, like as an example, my husband travels a decent amount for work. So when he's gone, I know, like, I know that there's gonna be some time that I need the media babysitter. So I try to save up for those moments that I know I might need it. So like if he's asking for something in the morning, I'll be like, no, not now, let's do something else. Because I know there's a high likelihood I might need to distract him for an hour later. So it's just about kind of knowing what your, again, your internal compass says and um, not being afraid, honestly, to tell them no. I think that's a big one. Like kids will throw themselves on the floor and act a fool and you know, it's like, sorry, I, I always say if you're going to scream and go crazy for the phone or the TV or the iPad, like you're definitely going to be seeing less and less of it, just so you know. And that's kind of like how it works. And I'm not perfect, trust me, but I think I'm like just making the point that you have to think ahead a little bit and you always have to have like what your overall perspective on it is intact. Um, I don't believe that we're ever going to get our kids to be technology less or free and maybe we shouldn't there's a lot of good things you know that come with it um but boundaries are very important yeah i think it's more from the communication 
thing. You know, you you said like if they're at a restaurant, they're gonna they're gonna learn how to interact at the table and be social. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues with it is it teaches them not you know how not to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, I, again, I, I hate to get into the mode of judging other parents. It's not, I don't, um, I always assume when I see certain moments with like a kid on a phone, I'm like, that kid might have been having a complete meltdown in a really bad moment a few minutes ago. And this mom is just trying to get through. And I assume that, um, so I don't judge. I just say like, what are the things that typically I have just decided most of the time are not for me? And so like, again, living in New York, we're in strollers all the time. We're walking on the streets. I've never really let my kids be looking at my phone when we're walking. I'm always talking to them and saying, ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. What's that? What color is that? What, you know, just teaching them to look around and be observant. So these are just my, my feelings. Yeah, we could do a whole other podcast just on technology in and yeah. of itself. But I really love the car ride scenario because maybe yeah. even unknowingly, unknowingly, you're teaching them discipline and prudence and um, yeah. you know, try how, to. how to wait for things. Yeah. 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 You know, my son has been my greatest teacher, I will tell you, because that boy is he's a lot of work. He is a lot of energy. He is tough, strong-willed personality. Um, I have had to own my perspective, own my voice. And it actually took me and I would say I really got into gear with that more when I was just ready to have my second child because I realized that if I didn't get it quickly, I was going to be hosed. So he's taught me a lot about how to get very clear about what I will and will not accept. Well, Randy, this has been an incredible discussion. I'm so happy that we had you on the show. I know you have a lot of other interviews. Me. Yes, and, and the book's coming out the 19th, correct, uh, really soon? I'm going to tell you another secret. The book is technically out. The book is out. All right, there we have it. Yeah. So, like, what I didn't know is that I actually asked for an early print of the book because I was at Soul Camp, as I was telling you about, <laughs> and I was able to sell books there, so I was like, I need to have books to sell. Well, it turns out that if anybody gets books printed, they just ship them. So they're actually out. So if you go on Amazon, I don't know when you're airing this, but if you go on Amazon and it's prior to September 19th, it will ship. Awesome. Good to know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, would it? maybe I'll just tell people exactly where to find it and where to find me and all of that stuff. Yeah, please do. Where can, where can they find the book? Where can they find more about you, your information? Yeah, so the book is, again, called Going Beyond Mom, How to Activate Your Mind, Body, and Business After Baby. It's on sale everywhere, but your easiest places to find it are Amazon, Barnes & Noble, online, and in stores. Um, there's a whole page on my website all dedicated to the book if you want to learn more about it, as well as a video book trailer, um, which is fun to watch, too. Um, my website is beyondmom.com. I'm all over social media. Um, my Instagram and my Twitter is at Randy Zinn. And my Facebook, the Facebook page is the Beyond Mom Facebook page. So those are the ways to find me. And most importantly, to engage in what we're doing and what's going on. Awesome. I love Very it. Cool. Well, thanks again, Randy. This has been a blast. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the conversation. And it is refreshing to talk to two men who want to have this discussion. It's very important so i thank you for that oh you got it yeah thank you ma'am <laughs> kidding <laughs>
He snuck kidding. one in there. He snuck one in. Hey.